0: A very interesting article, and I believe you released an interview with someone who uh, claims to be another kin. But you you wrote a, a Twitter long post about it, which was from your article. Um, so maybe th- let's summarize it, then we'll get into the Agamben chapter. So, yeah,
1: yeah, so, um,
0: and for those who see. don't know, other kin are different than fairies in that they believe in a form of metaphysical identity. Oh, you explain, you explain, you know better than me, so you go, sure. Go so,
1: ok. so furries, one, don't necessarily identify as animals., right. um, but they feel like a strong affinity towards these cartoon animal characters, these this anthropomorphic um type of animal. and it, and it's it's downstream of um the comic book animal depictions, like Fritz the yeah. cat, um, for example, was like a big one. And it's, they see themselves more as a fandom. And sometimes there is a spiritual component oh, yeah. um, and there's there's many different ways to be a furry, but other kin see themselves as human bodies um, who have non-human souls or souls that don't match their bodies more generally. Um, mostly you see the non-human soul and human body definition because it gets a little bit too in the weeds, but you can be like, your kin type can, which is, you know, another way to say identification could be like a historical character. Yeah. There's sort of been like famously a couple of cases of people who's, who kin, uh, you know, or identify with Hitler, right? That's technically <laughs> other kin. But other kin is mostly yeah. like, I have um, a the soul of a wolf or a mermaid or an angel. Um, sometimes people differentiate between Therian and other kin and Therians being animals who exist on earth and then other can being um animals that might not appear on earth but it's 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 pretty it's pretty broad basically Mm -hmm. it's just this uh there's some kind of dissonance between your soul and your body and they have like dozens of different metaphysical explanations for this um you know maybe there's uh multiverses right so like uh you know you you were a dog in another life in another universe and your soul was reincarnated in this one where you're a human um there is more classical ideas about reincarnation um some people are like walk-ins so like maybe they were born with a human soul but the soul of a wolf or a mermaid or an angel or whatever walked into the body and there's mm-hmm. and, there's like one to go exactly there's and there, there's there's an infinite number of explanations for why this happens and so some people have described other kins less as a community because there's it's really not standardized it's super you know it's not uniform at all and more as um a network of people who believe this same basic premise um with many different ways of how to believe that right Um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting and they they they're the butt of the joke just like other ki- uh, sorry just like furries. Um they are people immediately are like oh these people are just crazy teenagers, they don't know anything, they're retarded, whatever. I
0: can, I but- remember those uh, common filth that it's uh, Tumblristas, but then he had another one where it was like a longer version where you would just compile all these like Tumblr freaks and they would release videos of other wolves and yeah, yeah 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 it's like that type of gratuitous content um but, but you, I think, yeah I think you there's saying... something
1: to there's something to it you know i I think a lot of the time, I think children or young adults are drawn to it because it does it mm-hmm. it really doesn't in some sense feel that different than just like other kinds of imaginative play, yeah. right like a lot of children like are a cat, you know it's like but like not really right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they might like they might feel like a very close identification with their cat and it might be their own idea of what it means to be a cat whenever they grow out of it um but i think also it in another way it's a little bit more sympathetic and like less childish and it's because like a lot of people feel things strongly but we don't have the language to identify what these things are and so they sort of like pivot in all these different directions and so it might manifest and like, oh, my gender is a cloud, right? Mm -hmm. And something like that feels like very incoherent and inconsistent and like difficult to understand. But what I think it really is, is like a strong um, sense that that you are something in a world where you're not physically experiencing a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And then the lack of language to describe these sort of like strong identifications. And so, we've readapted words to mean things like gender doesn't really mean gender anymore. Um, soul doesn't really mean soul. And it's just, it's, it's some kind of state that we, that language hasn't caught up with yet. And so it's created this kind of like confusing multiplicity of ways to identify.
0: And that's it's at like least a, my theory. It's like a pleroma of affect. You could say, ah, there you go. <laughs> that's a good one. A pleroma of affect where it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, again, this comes from like the Manichaean or Gnostic ideal of the pleroma being like um the metaphor or I mean guess aether would be another term in in you know in, in the platonic, you know, in the ancient platonics, right? Um, you know, sort of like that staging ground of something that isn't exactly identifiable as let's say the Christian concept of an individual soul, but certainly something within a soul psyche complex. That is connected to something much more ancient. So again, like this is like, for example, the Gnostic interpretation of Young that people like Holier talk about, where, you know, and Young even talked about this in the Red Book, like, you know, the pleroma of affect or the pleroma of one's psychical experience engaged with something much greater. In his case, the archetypal complexes in the collective unconscious. That would be a form of a pleroma. Uh, but here, I mean, yeah, I mean, I talk about this a little bit in my book. You know, you have this one article, um it's just a vibe right where you were citing jeffrey schoelenberger um i you know i i think like the other kin thing is fascinating because they they really should read um it's very complicated to explain but i guess let's let's go for it they really should read um that one chapter in a thousand plateaus by deliz and Qatari called animal becomings where and they talk a lot about for example um Deleuze was fascinated with Carlos Castaneda whether you want to say that stuff is true or not okay like that's neither here nor there but in a lot of indigenous uh practices you have the animal spirit phenomenon that seems to be pretty ubiquitous in the you know the global from the global south into here in North America you know it's the point being in that chapter in Becomings is that it's not about that you are a wolf or you are a snake Or you are this or that. It's more of the indescribable and intangible state of the crossing into what is or the becoming of a wolf or a snake or an eagle. It's it's like the that spirit crosses over into what you are as an identity and vice versa. And it's more of the in connection, the circularity between the two rather than I am this picture of a wolf. You know what I mean? And so I think like that is certainly in a lot of indigenous practices right because we give legitimacy to that or we give legitimacy to a lot of animalistic rituals and even germanic paganism if you're a european but yet you know a lot of like other kin on tumblr saying like i have a soul of a wolf or a soul of a wolf crossed into mine then we say that's crazy that's sjw whatever right so but I, I truly believe that a lot of it, even including the furries, it's a way in which the postmodern or hypermodern individual can find um can can find a sense of like rootedness within a spiritual context than not.
1: I think so too. I um, mean, I was when I was writing this article about other kin yesterday, um, I realized like, you know, for some other kin, they have a moment of awakening, right? Yeah, and this moment yeah. of awakening can manifest in any number of ways. Like they're around other other kin, and they realize, oh, that's me. Um, or they they have like almost a religious epiphany. Um, they read something they identify with, whatever, right? And I realize yeah. that this moment of awakening appears in most identity categories, particularly ones that we kind of make fun of. Um, yeah. It, you know you hear it even in some chronic illnesses it's like you felt like a changeling or a stranger in a strange land or somehow like you didn't oh, yeah. fit in you had you you realized this is what's different about me then you found this community whether it's autism or lyme's disease or you realize you're transgender and i don't mean this to to discredit any of these identities right but i right. think like you know, again, and I say in the piece, like we should, we should sort of echo Teal in a way and and take (laughs) them seriously, if not literally, because clearly what people are like looking for, at least in some sense, is um, a rite of passage. They, you know, they don't feel integrated and then they do like, you know, it's, it's, there's, and uh, we don't really have this anymore, right? We don't have these community rites of passages. So people are kind of, cobbling together their own and they're appearing in all these different ways some stranger than others
0: yeah exactly um i'm trying to find a good quote from the chapter of becoming animal because Deliz and Terry directly mentioned young by the way um and and sort of like the the sort of the, the crossing over in like sort of in between of being between animal and man so here he says um this is from the becoming animal becoming intense becoming animals um the problem is in no way behind us ideas do not die note that they survive simply as archaisms at a given moment they may and by the way if my voice sounds funny it's because i'm recovering from clown vid. so <laughs> um, <laughs> At a given moment, they may reach a scientific stage and then lose the status or Im- immigrate to other sciences, their applications, statuses, blah, blah, blah. For on one hand, the relationship between animal and objects, not only of science, but also of dreams, symbolism, art and poetry, practices and practical use. And on the other hand, the relationship between animals are bound up with the relations between man and animal, man and woman, man and child, man in the elements, man in the physical and microphysical universe. The twofold idea of series structure crosses a scientific threshold at a certain moment. It does not stay there, it does not start there, and it does not stay there, or else crosses over into other sciences animating for example the human sciences served in the study of dreams myths and organizations the history of ideas should never be continuous it should be aware of resemblances but also of dis. um uh, descendants are flirtations; it should be content to be an organ, the threshold through which an idea passes, the journeys it takes, and the changes in natures and objects. Yet, the objective relationships between animals has been applied to certain subjective relationships between men and animal from the standpoint of a collective imagination or faculty of social understanding. So, in other words, Deleuze, what he's trying to say, and I believe it was Deleuze that was writing this because it's like, if you're good enough, right? If you're that much of a theory, Salzberg, you could really tell, like, who's, like, what, De, what Guattari was writing, what Deleuze was writing A Thousand Plateaus, <laughs> right? But Deleuze was the one that was fascinated with Carlos Castaneda, with Carl, with Carl Jung. So, what he's saying is that when you look at the relationship between science in terms of genealogy between man and animal, you know, and, and a lot of people are going to freak at this, but because this is like your typical Pono, whatever, is that there is a construction between what we define as where the human begins and the animal ends, right that that's that's natural. but he's saying when you taught when you take into account the study of all of these other forms of human knowledge, poetry, um dream interpretation, mythology, then that relationship between that structure series of what is a man and what is an animal gets very, very difficult to parse out because in a sense the animal was always already integrated into the humanly experience and this is the point of what Deleuze and again the language metaphors in a thousand plateaus is very complicated because it's coming from their other works such as you know um logic of sense and difference repetition and so there's a lot of different metaphors that mean the same thing right so one of them he's using is double articulation meaning that you are already from the position of and we'll get in this when we talk about the agamben text is you're already from the position of the middle right meaning that you are double articulated you're one thing but you're also this other thing meaning that you know for example modern science when it comes to the evolution of species says that you know man starts in this one location right this one thing that we are separate but really, the way that the psyche works, the way that mythology works, the way that even the work of art operates, is that, you know, you're already within an engagement of the animal world. You're already there. There's no beginning or end, really. There's no, like, beginning nexus point. You're already thrown into that thing. And so we'll see when Agamben talks about Heidegger and the animal. You know, um, you're already thrown into these relations. So I think, like... And again, like, I'm not justifying like, people that are legitimately mentally ill, that, that you know, or have animal spirits, right? <laughs> I'm saying like a charitable, philosophic interpretation of the other kin. And by the way, there's people that actually have their PhDs, unlike myself, who have actually written about this um that a charitable philosophic interpretation of the other kin is that they are this double articulation they are the recognition that being an animal sort of like cross over into each other and and really there is no like beginning point or end point there's sort of like a swaying in between what your subjective experience of animality is as opposed to not no no again when it comes to practicality there are a lot of even critical animal studies which a lot of people, by the way, the text we're using in this episode uh, uses the basis of critiquing man's relationship to animal. Even like people like Donna Haraway have whole books about this, you know? Um, there is the ethical thing of like, if you go too far, then you could justify things like zoophilia. Um, recently, we're talking about this and you know it's not shocking that he was the one that tweeted this out, but Peter Singer... <laughs> out this article defending zoophilia saying that you know if you separate man and animal um, it's like you know that's the same as racism and oh by the way you know children can consent meaning animals can consent very harrowing article that was in a scientific journal it was it was a, it was a humanities journal it was like controversial ideas or something like that Um, and Peter Singer tweeted this out recently and so yes I know the ethical implications that we don't want to wade into but at the same time when it comes to people experiencing i would say like a spiritual connection to animality that's much different than a pervert using like academic language to justify their fetish you know what i mean so to be totally to be totally charitable to people who are other kids i can't believe i'm saying this my right credibility is evaporating before our eyes but you know <laughs>
1: No, I mean, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, And I think like, I think it can be separate from the sexual expression. I think that, and I also think it's unfair to, to other kin and furry communities to say, this is just running cover for a desire to engage in bestiality.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or zoophilia Um, or whatever. Yeah.
1: I think there's something else going on. Right. Right. Um, And, you know what you explained is like one one potential explanation there um mm-hmm. and, but it's it's, and it's a shame that it's sort of you want to talk about porn brain like that's an example of like not well not everything <laughs> comes back to that like it yeah. can you know having an animal sexuality could could be um you know if it if that's even relevant to their identity um you know can can and probably 99% of the time often does manifest exclusively you know with a same species partner, right? was a human a human partner. Well it's like
0: furries. Like most fairies have sex with other fairies in fur suits. It's not like they're you know not every furry is Kiro the wolf. Come on. Like it's right,
1: right. Oh like, yeah. It's it, yeah. They, they want to connect, they want to experience this animality. I mean with that's another person. that's pretty
0: weird if you want to like have sex sure. with fursuit, but still it's like whatever. Yeah, right?
1: I don't even that's something I can't I haven't been able to model exactly what's going on there like
0: a lot of furries like we said last episode like a lot of furries don't even identify with the sexual aspect of it you know they're just yeah there's other reasons why a lot of it's comforting or whatever um but it's the same with like but then again like you do have apart from the animal you have like the baby play thing that that is kind of disturbing i don't know because that does imply a sexual like the whole adult baby thing but then a lot yeah. of people would see that there isn't a sexual component to it, so I don't know. It's I would like...
1: th- that. Does, I mean, I think that one is a little bit less of yeah. a gray area, but yeah. I do think there is, <laughs> and I think I might have said this when we talked about furries more specifically. There is something to like the idea that these are proxies for something else, and mm-hmm. it's it's you're missing the point. It can still be dysfunctional, but you're missing the point if you think it's like a literal expression of desire for whatever the thing is, right? No, no, it's yes. it's tapping into something else. And I think that's something that people really struggle with. You know, with other kin too, that it must like be understood in the most literal terms possible. But I think that's the least interesting explanation and also probably the, one of the least productive. And it might be yeah. true for like minority of people. You know, like some people with diaper fetishes, might actually be pedophiles, but oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, there has been cases of this. You know,
1: but there's probably some other thing going on, and that's not like me saying like, oh, diaper fetishes are great, right? It's just there's multiple there's multiple ways to understand something, yeah. and it doesn't have to necessarily be the most sinister. Even if it's still like, eh, there's something that's not quite right going on here.
0: Well, like if you read accounts of a lot of other kids, I mean, like, is it wrong? To like for example say you're a neurodivergent kid you grow up in a house of extreme abuse your only friend is your pet and therefore you develop a lasting spiritual affinity towards the animal and that's a way of coping with extreme confusion and and misunderstanding it's like are you going to shame that person and call them you know what i mean it's like there's a lot of reasons why people do what they do now there are people that are abusive and you know there's been furries there's been you know again i mentioned kiro the wolf and there's been a a lot of other ones and there's a lot of disturbing trends in the furry community of course right but that being said like uh, the other kin i think to me is different because like the and this is what i argue in my book is that the furry it's like okay the sexual thing let's bracket that it's more that's become like you know kitschified it's become conventionified you know like it's become a sub a a fandom and a subculture and people make money and whatever right but the other can i feel there is more philosophic meat there i you know just by nature of it because it is tapping into something much more ancient much more like and so for example let's say you have a traditional indigenous person say someone uh, a salish person from vancouver are you gonna like and they actually believe in their ancestor religion um you know what i mean what's the difference between that i know i mean there's obviously a difference right there's a precedent there there's tradition but when an other kin person says no i it's not that i want to have sex with animals it's just that there is a i feel a spiritual longing towards animal the animal then, I don't I mean, know. I, I mean, yeah, there's got to be it, something there, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean I, and I also think, like like I was saying before, it's it may I'm not, not equating not the two,
0: a... by the way. I'm not I would never equate like indigenous spiritual practices with other kids, of course, never. But, like I, don't I, think that, I, don't,
1: I mean, I don't think it's that that crazy. Um, yeah. I think that one of the main differences is that the indigenous spiritual practices have ritual that aren't yes. hasn't been constructed you know, out of nowhere. And right,
0: right, exactly. they
1: they have this venue to explore these feelings in a way that's been refined over time. And there's a wisdom that gets passed down, mm-hmm. you know, from older, more experienced people. And that's what a lot of these communities don't have, right? They don't have like an older cohort because people grow out of it or it's hard. It's so dispersed. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I, I, what I was gonna say is like, when someone says like, they, you know, they are a mermaid or something, like, w- there's some emotion that they attach to that, yeah. or, you know, some sort of feeling that it's, I don't think it's always, like, oh, I like to swim in the water, right, or, and, and I feel like I must be part fish, just as it's, like, I don't think it's always, um, you know, there's a, a sexual component, right, There's some. there's yeah. something else that they're, like, desperately searching for that they're trying to describe that they don't know how to describe and and this is how it comes out and i think it's like what are they looking for right what are like what what are what are we all looking for um that makes like this feel the most um you know like like the most salient way to to describe it Um, Yeah. it it's Another another thing I learned about otherkin is like it, they really come they really come out of, um, two things, right? Um, you know, of course, as as you're saying, like there's this huge, you know, thousands of years history of people mm-hmm. identifying with animals, but the community as we know it comes out of, um, spirituality that was inspired by Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh wow, I didn't know that. So, um, and a oh lot of neo,
1: a lot of neo paganism comes out of this. <laughs> and I think the attraction to Lord of the Rings is like if something about it felt old and historical.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: That a lot of faiths, especially in the United States, have been stripped of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And that like we really don't have like we don't even have we don't have like the old buildings or the history. um There's something like, you know, like quote unquote like, boring about church for a lot of people. Um, but they still like are longing for that tradition. Right, yeah. and then and when you start looking around, like here's another thing that appears in a lot of these identity categories, the sense of like construct, like this feeling of history without there being an actual history there. So, like with other kin, yeah. you know, being born out of Lord of the Rings, right? And so, basically, the story behind that, just to clarify, is um there was two women who called themselves the Elf Queen's daughters. Um, and they distributed distributed handwritten letters and zines um about being spiritually elves. Man, um, and they were they amazing. were part of a whole group of people
0: who have had you read more... some of these?
1: Yeah, I, I I spent a bunch of money and ordered all the letters online. Um
0: uh, but are, is some of them available online to read for free or it's, is ha- it?
1: it's it's hard. I think like in the green egg archive, which I haven't looked up, so I don't know if it's still there. Um that was a pagan magazine. Um mm. They they may have been preserved, um, but but anyway so they so they were part of this community. Um, this got picked up by the Silver Elves, who um, were you know another similar group, and they made sure that these letters didn't get lost. They collected them, made them available, and they made a list serve, and hmm. the list serve was for Elf kind and other kind, and eventually other kind became other kin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, for people who had the souls of elves and then people who had some other soul that was, you know, not strictly the, the soul we're taught that we have. Right. Right. And at the same time, there's a Usenet group for people who identified as werewolves, but it, it attracted all sorts of people like, uh, vampires and, and witches. Um, and then these, these are the two sort of bedrocks of other kin. Can- identity Mm -hmm. and what all of these share is like especially when it has like a pagan root is a constructed history that is very enchanted that no longer exists and can't be found elsewhere and tragically and ironically like it maybe could have been found elsewhere um if uh the you know if religion hadn't become so like sanitized and commercialized right like a lot of protestant faith which many of these people actually have come from, and I say this anecdotally. Um, I don't have any like hard numbers on this, but
0: the like strip mall or mega church type, right, of, right, yeah. like the, it,
1: And it's it's the the history and enchantment of faith is like been somehow perverted or completely taken away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot. That's another really important element to this is like, okay, I don't have this enchantment in my day to day life, but it is in Lord of the Rings right yeah. and there's and there's all sorts of components and it's like it's very clear what people are wanting and and i think harry potter and uh star star trek and star wars all share this it's like there's a language mm-hmm. there's a like mm-hmm. a rich history that you can't quite understand did, did you know
0: this, the Vulc, the the vulcan uh hand sign is uh, a created letter Nimoy is a Kabbalah symbol
1: really i didn't yeah, it feels familiar he but i, I didn't yeah know.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I you know like a, a lot of like far-right anti-Semites were talking about this because like some some like libtard talked about like how dare there be conservative Star Trek fans and you know I grew up as a Trekkie. I never like I never liked Star Wars, but like when you examine the ideology of the Star Star Trek universe, like you know, but yeah, so apparently you see what they were sharing this clip of a Leonard Nimoy interview where he talked about how he created this symbol because it has something to do with Kabbalah um interesting yeah yeah so and of course like it was because some other producer besides Roddenberry was also Jewish and it was one of those like episodes that Roddenberry didn't touch where they invented it um I don't know it's just like but yeah I know what you mean exactly I mean for example like Lord of the Rings creating I didn't know that created other kin people because I because like how many trad cats were created because of right. Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> like, how, how many like Chesterton scholars were created because of Lord of the Rings? Um, but so, what year was this? Was this the early Usenet days? or Was more recent the the uh, okay? The fairy, so um,
1: the so the Elf the, Queen's sorry, daughters, yeah. yeah. So they, they there's a surge in uh, popularity with Lord of the Rings after the paperback edition is printed in I think 1967. It
0: mm-hmm. actually
1: outsells the Bible for two years in a row. Whoa. And at the same time, there's this renaissance of Mm neo-paganism and a lot of neo-paganism ends up being inspired, again, like very ironically, uh, by by Lord of the Rings. Um, But I think like, but I think what it is, is like, again, like they're searching for history and they're searching for re-enchantment. One way to do this is, okay, I'm going to go back to Catholicism. Another way to do this is I'm just going to create an alternative history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people are attracted to. I think even a lot of tradcasts are attracted to um, some, you know, alternative or, you know, revisionist, but that are in many ways, ultimately alternative re-enchanted histories. Um, oh
0: yes. Oh yeah.
1: And yeah. So I when it gets to the list serves, that's really, I think the elf List serve is actually in the 80s. I want to say 1983 wow. is coming to mind. I don't know for sure. Um, but with Usenet, that's in the the with the werewolf group, which was different. Um, but psychic vampires and werewolves, uh, and I think mermaids were also present in this this Usenet group, which is actually um this news group actually still exists. I post on it sometimes. Um <laughs> that was in the early 90s. I think that was. Um 1994. And actually, fun fact, one of the um, hold on, I think I need to just sneeze one sec. All right, I'm back.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, one of the 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 wolves on um or the, the therians on that usenet group called into an art bell show. Um, oh, I think I remember or this.
0: Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I I I posted a link to it the other day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it on YouTube?
1: Yeah, um, it's in a Malachi Martin, so it's a Malachi Martin episode. So it must have been nineteen ninety six.
0: That was around um, 96 97 Yeah, the Malachi yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is when he was on the outs of the Catholic Church, I believe. Or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was right though in a lot of the things he said, but I mean, you know, that's always yeah. And
1: he and he, yeah. he calls he so he calls and he asks, I if I'm remembering correctly, he like asks him. He's like, um, am I, you know. Am I doomed because I have a wolf soul? And I think Malachi Martin says, "No, you're not." Um, and this is very common.
0: <laughs> if I <I'm> remember <laughs> yeah, the phone call right. correctly. Yeah, when you did all those ex- exorcisms, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, that's that's such a piece of internet history right there. Like that's yeah, yeah. But it's funny how like the internet sort of like supercharges a lot of these people in these groups. Like yeah, because it,
1: it lets know. it lets them connect for the first time of because, course. you know, it's so much, there's so much more legwork if you have to go get the Green Egg Neopagan magazine, which is like, you know, where are you going to find that mm-hmm. versus that you just log on and you can be from anywhere in the world, theoretically, probably in the United States. Um, although I will say, like, I've met a lot of other kin in person and and now I think it's sort of flipped. It's actually like more interesting and easier to be immersed in if you're regularly going to conventions, um, mm. and like something about the internet, like it, it, it kind of like is isn't as tethered or something. Like I felt so much more like seduced by it or something when I was at PantheaCon um, and I was talking to people who were like, "Yeah, like I'm an intergalactic fox," and it's like you kind of like it doesn't matter what these people look like or how they carry themselves but they really believe it and there's something very like charming about it. And you want to believe that like, even if just for the day, you're like, there's, you know, there's something to this. There's something very interesting about this. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, do they skew? um... I'd imagine they were like furries and they skew towards the political left, right? um...
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah. So, um... but what do they do at these conventions? It's the typical, like they sell merchandise. Do they have, Meanings, like what do they do? Like, what is um, it? Okay. How is it different went, than a furry con? Yeah.
1: Um. So panthea cons for neopagans, and it's oh, like lectures.
0: Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. Um. They there's vendors, and then there's a period where like you like people open their hotel rooms. I mean, panthea mm. con isn't happening anymore. This was years ago. Um. But you you, it's like the idea is to like both learn about it, and um, meet people in person. And have conversations about it sometimes there's magical ritual involved mm. um there's also other con but it's completely digital
0: mm, interesting i think they've
1: done a couple yeah. in person um but they have i mean and, and i think it's it's really interesting and a lot of you know a lot of these people especially the old heads um are like incredible historians of their own subculture mm. and i you know it it shouldn't be belittled like i've learned a lot watching uh youtube videos from, from other con um, Yeah
0: yeah um interesting
1: yeah there's a lot of overlap too with um multiple systems or dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality Mm. disorder
0: yeah and i think part
1: of this is like having multiple strong identifications and again this issue of not having the language to describe it so suddenly it becomes alters
0: well that's what i mean about not having the language like uh like I imagine those neo pagan, they're more like mainstream. They wouldn't like tolerate like the far right neo <laughs> They wouldn't tolerate Varg going in there, and uh, you know, I don't think um, he would want
1: to though. No,
0: exactly. You use those people as degenerates. So like, yeah, um, they're not the real, you know, thing. But no, but but you were saying with the lack of language, though, there was this like popification of psychology that is in psychiatry that's much more older than like the modern like women obsessed with crew tri- true true cl- crew crime uh true crime drama sorry um like even in the 70s onwards you know you had like even in popular media you had cases of like extreme psychological types like civil was one of them yeah you know and and so you had this awareness of like the multiple personality disorder which by the way the modern dsm they don't like classify it the same way anymore. They they've sort of um, there's a lot of hot debate. A lot of people like a lot of very learned PhD people that do psychological research think it's bullshit. Right. Or the way that it was framed in the seventies rather as like distinct personality types. There's like a lot of controversy there, but the reason I bring this up is because I feel like the fascination with it in terms of like the psychological angle, Like, where normies are like, you know, the other kin has different personalities, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like that's sort of, it's again, like, it's a popification of like, like you were saying, something that we used to have a spiritual terminology in addressing these issues. But nowadays, we sort of have to like, view things either as kitschy fandom, or psychological types, or something that can be like a very like air dried stamp of approval as to like what this phenomenon is rather than the context of say like I, I mentioned before like someone who is an indigenous person that has ancestral beliefs and so forth or even people in ancient europe that had ancestor worship like there's something that like even someone like varg like varg is a bad example because he doesn't believe in a mes- metaphysical version of of you neo. Know, germanic neo-paganism he believes that there are archetypes or energies or whatever um now there's a lot of people on the far on the you know the far right and the the left who are involved in paganism that actually do believe in metaphysical expressions of whatever particular faith tradition they're operating in so i think like you know even that becomes subject to a form of kitschification especially online and so again it's it's the lack of the language in terms of how do you translate it into a very advanced now digitally run modern society? Uh, how can you even have the tools to, to like put a language to what you're experiencing? I mean, you know? I
1: think, I think that um kitrification is a good, is sort of a good thing to bring up because it's mm-hmm. another piece of this is like, you know, a lot of these groups emerge in the late sixties. Right. Yeah. Um, and, then the, the internet allows people to find each other. I think like all these fandoms that come out of like sci-fi conventions, mm-hmm. um, like furries or weeaboos, um, and then other kin and neo-paganism, it's all serving the same purpose. It's looking for something that culture has lost. And for some reason, it was given an opportunity to be more fully expressed in the late 60s. Yeah.
0: Um, and then yeah. what
1: ends up happening... Well, with the is decline that,
0: of Christianity in particular, that's probably... Yeah.
1: Um, what ends up what ends up happening is like they then they get like very quickly like commercialized <laughs> and and then you like lose <laughs> yeah. the experimental nature gets lost oh, 100%, right yeah. like I mean to go back and you're know, not to harp on this too much like to go back to like neo-pronouns if you accept like maybe they don't mean gender in the way like you or I might mean gender there might be something to this but then it so quickly becomes this this other thing, right? Like either a way to create like forever patience or a way to sell mugs at Target or an activist cause and that you don't get the chance to say like, well, what are we really grappling with here? Like, do we have to dismiss this immediately? You know, and the demand that someone say like, you know, if your pronouns are like fay self or something to mm-hmm. like, for everyone to recognize them, and use them, that's, you know, that's a different issue. But like, when someone is making those kind of demands, what are they reaching for? I don't think it's fair to say it's only like this expression of entitlement or selfishness or like the need to be the most special. It's yeah. like, they're looking for something. And for whatever reason, this is what suits their needs.
0: Yeah. I mean, even like, I, I don't think you could equate like the serious, like, other kin person who feels it as a form of spiritual expression with like some fucking only fans thought that has the cat ears and right. they're pretending to be like submissive and animalistic and like because again as we'll read like animal like the animal always implies sort of like a primeval submission to to the sexual so it's like like you see it all the time with these like Twitch thoughts that have OnlyFans accounts that wear the fucking cat girl ears. It's like they're not really like they don't actually believe that there's some like feline version of themselves. It's more so like the pastiche that culture has created from a variety of like you know online youth culture subgenres that have inter- that have imbued the cat girl that comes from like anime and Tumblr and so forth. Has imbued that with a form of like easy, submissive, um, exciting sexuality and kink, and so that's different than I think what we're trying to describe here. Yeah, you know it's I mean? a, yeah. it's it's
1: it's yeah, um, there's similarities, but it's not the same. The Do you same have hair of
0: cat girl ears, cat?
1: no would you wear I it don't. on
0: stream next Next, we get interviewed like, in by somebody no you i'm that? too old i'm too
1: old you're too old for that
0: <laughs> what the
1: fuck i like what but yeah i that that window closed i I, feel window like I, was, closed. <laughs> I was too old for it 10 years ago i'm mean, like oh
0: my god yeah that's true there's 40 year old women on twitch that wear the cat ears
1: i i don't know it's yeah. not it's not for me well like, like i was saying before it's i just like hard. i'm just like offended and i don't think it's healthy for me even on like a personal level to like try to go back
0: you yeah know? true like true.
1: you you shouldn't be an e-girl i mean you shouldn't yeah. be an e-girl if you're married but you shouldn't be an e-girl if you're in your 30s right like just true. give it up
0: you know you're in your mama phase of it yeah you're yeah <laughs> none <of> d <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone someone uh did, did that thing about like uh uh lana del rey and Nona del rey where she's like cooking pasta
1: yeah i saw she's oh, she part italian good i don't think so
0: i don't yeah i don't think so either but Maybe like just
1: because she's like
0: a she's curvy... got the motherly energy yeah um, yeah there was a great essay by was it ben braddock about like because i don't like crooner had that great video but he like nuked all his videos about where'd like, he go what happened he, like i think i don't know i gotta talk to he has his youtube channel still i believe he's still on twitter but um he's still he had this,
1: i don't think he is does he have a new account
0: i think he's got a lurker account okay but he uh had this great video about lana del rey being like both the madonna and the whore at the same time and it's like yeah. this, like sacred dichotomy there but it's like manifested in american culture like that is a fascinating you know um but i don't know does i'd never interpreted like the promiscuity thing because i think like taylor swift has more of like the you know infinite boyfriend thing I, but then i don't know because like is it that is it that lana del rey is more open about the sort of like lower drags of american society and promiscuity whereas with taylor swift is more of like the serial monogamy thing like i could never understand okay. i could understand the lana del rey thing but i never understood the taylor swift Obsession. I don't know. Maybe because I'm not. Um, yeah, I don't anymore. know. I,
1: I, I, I was never super into either of them.
0: Mm, honestly,
1: yeah. like I just, you know, it's funny. As much as I talk about fandom, I, I've been in fandoms, but I'm more like someone who gets attached to like the environment of a fantasy mm, world. Like yeah. I, I wasn't a Lord of the Rings person, but like I could feasibly be one. Um, I've never got gotten this the celebrity worship thing. I, in, in fact I, I can't even do like the micro celebrity worship <laughs> i i just like i for some reason i just can't submit to so it, there's like a, there's a level of submission that i am just like 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 why does this person deserve my respect beyond it just it like be the an basic.
0: older like model of fandom like the 1990s was like up until the 2000s was like the 70s the like maybe not the 70, i guess the 70s but like the 80s and 90s, 2000s was very much like the age of the celebretard. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Nowadays, it's but like... No, because it still exists. It still exists. But yeah, Taylor Swift is, like, the forefront of Stan Twitter, of, like, celebrity worship. But
1: I, I mean, think you know? about the way people view, like, certain podcasters or oh, yeah, bloggers yeah. that they like. Like, there is a level of, like, celebrity worship there. Like, you know, I'm in, like, one group chat where most of the people really like a particular... Um, internet celebrity and they just talk about this person like they're on another plane and I'm just like I can I can't help but look at this individual and think well that's just some guy right like yeah I don't I can't like suspend my disbelief that this person has like special powers there's writers that I like and oh, there's yeah. podcasters that I like but I like I like them you know what I mean it's like oh, I, yeah. I can't possibly be like oh well this person's oh you know this this guy never misses and like it, it. I can't. I can only see these people as people.
0: Right. Right. That you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't take a bullet for an online personality.
1: Um. There's certainly online personalities I would take a bullet for, but only after years of like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Friendship. Yeah.
1: You know. Like.
0: <laughs> I would take a bullet for JJ the jackoff. Played my good friend. Is he still around? Oh yeah. Yeah, his new account is Jelkington.
1: I thought that was him. I saw that account yeah. today. Someone sent me a tweet.
0: <laughs> I would take a bullet for him. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, should we move on to the Agamben chapter? Or um, yeah, all right. Let's let me cue it up. I have it here. Um, so, but but again, this is sort of uh, I'm going to have to explain like the heavy theory cell type of uh, content. So okay. Uh, where is it where is it um it's chapter two and it's called um asaphalis and for those who don't know asaphali was the like the the theory cell cult that uh george Batay helped start and they did all of these experiments into different forms of a uh, spirituality i believe our good friend meme analysis knows quite a bit about the Asaphale society so um but the, but of course asaphali comes from the 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 greek the greek god and uh so here i guess okay let me stage it for a little bit so um the open is a text by giorgio Agamben the italian uh, political philosopher where he talks about a lot of it's about what heidegger calls the open which is the the ground by which we engage with being or the clearing how being clears towards the towards us as Dassein. Being in the world we are thrown in the world and being reveals itself to us but also conceals at the same time right so the open or the clearing in heidegger clearing implies that being will reveal ourselves but agamben does this thing where he's like what about other beings right because heidegger makes a very like speciesist quote unquote, i know it's like the activist term <laughs> heidegger makes the speciesist distinction that being can only reveal ourselves to to the human because we're being we're thrown into the world we have the awareness we're the only ones that can be aware of death which individualizes us this is what being in the world is so to heidegger only the human only dasein can truly be revealed to in terms of being because of the fact that we are aware of our mortality We are aware of the thing that separates our being, that individualizes us in being, which is death, that gives us a temporality. Because the animal does not know temporality, doesn't have a temporal sense of their own mortality. So, and of course, Agamben, and I believe he cites people like Donna Haraway, and he cites other people that talk about the animal. um, You know, he's complicating this relationship, because the open is also the open to the being of the animal as well. And the animal, and and this is what Agamben is saying, is that the animal is, and again, I'm butchering this. So if there's any theory cell professors that are listening to this, I'm just, I'm I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version of this. So the animal is also open to being, or is a being that is open to us, that has some form of cognition. So Agamben's like, does not the animal confront us in the open as well, in terms of being revealing itself to us, especially revealing to us, Sorry, especially being revealing itself to us in that moment of supreme temporality, which is death, right? That's being in the world. That's Dasein, right? We are we are aware that we are a being in the world because of our awareness of our own mortality. And so Agamem trying to confuse this. But the other part of the book, The Open, and this is pertinent to us, is that The Open is about man at the end of history. What does it mean to be... A being a man a human at the end of history at the end of a form of temporal existence ceasing to be allegedly we all know it's kind of bullshit but like whatever um history's coming back you know in 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 eastern europe in, in Russia, in Gaza, and elsewhere, we know the history is going to come back. But whatever, okay. <laughs> if if, tr- if Trump gets elected next year, apparently because uh, Javier Milei got elected in in, in Argentina, now history is going to come back, right? So okay, whatever. Um, so in this chapter that we're reading, he uses the two interpretations of man at the end of history. One comes from kojev which is the originator of the end of history thesis, right? that the universal historical state means that history ends means that man is transformed in our being to be post-historical or what Nietzsche would call the last man. And the other one is Bataille, who also has this version of end of history being, but notice that it's equated with two things, animality and the erotic. And so this is very interesting. This is why I think we should read this very carefully. It's a very short chapter. It's like a few pages. So, um, do you want to like go back and forth how should we read this or should I just read it or maybe uh, we read page by uh, page
1: Let's see it's like four pages right Okay yeah. I could how about this I'll do the first paragraph and then uh, yeah I'll do the first paragraph and then the second paragraph starts on the the last sentence of the first page
0: Yeah there you go
1: All right Yeah. George Bataille was so struck by the gnostic effigies of animal-headed archons that he was able to see in the cabinet de mede of the Bibliothèque Nationale, that in 1930, he dedicated an article to them in his journal document. In Gnostic mythology, the archons are the demonic entities who create and govern the material world in which the bright and spiritual elements are found mixed and imprisoned in those dark and bodily. The images that Patai reproduced as evidence of the tendency of gnostic base materialism to confuse human and bestial forms represent, according to his captions, three archons with duck heads, one panmorphous Ao, a god with the legs of a man, the body of a serpent, and the head of a cock. And finally, an asophilous god topped with two animal heads. Six years later, the cover of the first issue of the journal Asafal, drawn by Andre Masson, showed a naked, headless human figure as the insignia of the sacred conspiracy, which Bataille plotted with a small group of friends.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Though man's invasion of his head, man has escaped from his head as a condemned man from prison, reads a programmatic text, does not necessarily entail a return to animality. The illustrations of issue three and four of the journal, in which the same naked figure from the first issue now bears a majestic bull's head, attest to an aporia which accompanies Bataille's entire project.
0: Um, so yeah, that that um here he's talking about sort of uh animality in relation to m- what Bataille would call continuous and discontinuous being in the erotic, right? Because we're we're sort of well, let me read really because we're sort of like lowered into the erotic when we confront the animal. To so we'll let, let's um so yeah, for those who don't know like this is a um, very common theme in mythology from egypt onwards where sort of man becomes one in a chimeric relation with the animal and so there's like half man half beast is a, a sort of like recognition of a more primitive form i mean primitive is like a loaded word but you know what i mean like a more ancient form of being if you will so um do you have anything to say about that cat or we should move on? Let's let's move on. All right, all right. Um indeed, one of the central issues of Kojev's lectures in Hegel, and so this is this is where you know Kojev comes with the end of history thesis, right? It's very Hegelian in the sense. Um, which Bataille attended at the Ecole de Hall Etudes was the prob- problem of the end of history and the figure that man and nature would assume in the post historical world. When the patient process of work and negation by means of the animal of the species, Homo sapiens, has become human, reached completion, meaning the end of the human. In one lecture of his characteristic gestures, Kojev's dedicates to the problem only a footnote to the 1938-39 course. Quote, the disappearance of man at the end of history is not a cosmic catastrophe. The nature the natural world remains what it has been from all eternity and is not a biological catastrophe either man remains alive as animal in harmony with nature or given being what disappears is man properly so called that is action negating the given the error or in general the subject opposed to the object in this case object being nature and, and animal as such. In point of fact, the end of human time or history, that is, the definitive annihilation of man, properly so-called, or so-called, or of the free and historical individual, means quite simply the cessation of action in the strongest sense of the term. Practically, this means the disappearance of wars and bloody revolutions and the disappearance of philosophy. For since man no longer changes himself, essentially, there is no longer any relation to change the true principles which are at the base of his knowledge of the world and of himself. But all the rest can be preserved indefinitely. Art, love, play, etc. In short, everything that makes man happy. The disagreement between Batai and Kojev concerns just the rest that survives the death of man, who has become animal again at the end of history. When the pupil who was, in fact, five years older than the teacher, could not accept at any cost, was that love, art, play, as well as laughter, ecstasy, luxury, which wrapped up in the aura of exceptionality, which was at the center of Asafale's concerns, as well as those of College de Sociologie two years later, ceased to be the superhuman, negative, and sacred, in order simply to be given back to the animal praxis. For the small group of 40 year old initiates who was not afraid to challenge the ridiculous by the the ridiculous by practicing joy in the face of death in the woods on the outskirts of Paris, nor later in full European crisis, to play at the begin to play a being sorcerer's apprentice, preaching the European people's return to the old house of myth, the Esophalous being glimpses for an instant in the privileged experience might have been neither human nor divine, but in other case could have been animal. So that's a lot to take in. Let me, uh, that
1: that is a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, that's sort of actually, I mean, especially this last sentence, if I'm understanding it correctly, right. Yeah. Um, that, and I think this describes the moment that we're in, Yes. Um, In their privileged experiences might have been neither human nor divine but in no case could it be animal i mean that feels very much like the state most people i mean and maybe it's the doomer perspective but that like this is this is a state of affairs right now what it means to be human um has been at least partially obscured uh we're not we're not divine uh, but we're also not animals we're some other type and that's actually a really good point with with other it's like maybe the thing it's grasping at is like we you know what we know even on a biolog- biological level to be man or woman
0: right or
1: you know even if you accept the existence of like alternative gender expressions or alternative uh sex expressions you know outside of the two and outside of sort of postmodern ideas of sex and gender like those are those have been very obscured yes um, and we right now understand this other state as maybe an animal, but the other can don't behave like an animal. Right. There's in fact, like quite a few and um, furries talk about this too. There's I'm blanking on the term for it, but there's a term for like moving like an animal. And a lot of mm. them speak about how like they don't encourage it and they don't do it. Right. Like they don't yeah. crawl on all fours and they don't, they don't um mine animal actions. It's a, Especially for the other kid, it's something they feel. And may yeah. I, I mean, and maybe that's it. It's just like we're not like what? What are we, right? You know, it's It's not
0: like it's, Wolfie Blackheart and the the Wolf Gang going around. And, do you remember that Wolfie Blackheart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever I, was, happened? I was, was it a boy or a girl? I forget. It was. Um, I think no, I think that
1: Wolfie was a girl. I think Wolfie Blackheart was a girl.
0: Trans or something? I forget. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's hard to remember. I but... know that. Like, I found them on Facebook and we were Facebook friends for the
0: longest time.
1: I'm gonna Is look it up really still quick.
0: around or did the person uh
1: <laughs> I don't I think forget. so. Oh, oh yeah so she
0: um,
1: oh you know what happened? Uh she
0: killed a dog. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what happened to Wolfie Blackheart. Wonder...
1: Yeah, we we were like somehow connected online for the longest time because I like couldn't look away. And now I'm looking about about Wolfie. Uh, okay, so Wolfie Blackheart was was born a woman, um, mm-hmm. and then started living as a man.
0: Yeah, this is this is where I'm getting confused. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Um, as of 2016, um, Wolfie was not dead. Xd xd xd. According to the Stevie Art post, um, but <laughs> I guess it was like super antisocial and killed animals. So.
0: There was a rumor oh. that Wolfie killed, sorry, uh, sunsetted. So I don't yeah, know. Apparently, this
1: is a rumor that just uh, appeared frequently,
0: but was well, never. Wolfie's got to be like what thirty-something years old now, like maybe yeah, thirty-one.
1: It seems. Yeah,
0: something like that. Typically, we couldn't interview Wolfie, but um, yeah. But anyways, okay. So that's that. That's a diversion. <laughs> I just thought of that the the Wolfy Black card thing that was a big meme back in the day that was like everywhere, um, especially like those cringe compilations like that news segment of them like killing a dog or something. Um, I mean, I think
1: this you know? this actually brings up a good point. There's so we've made the differentiation between other kin furry um, sexual expressions. Then there's this other expression of like emo or scenester kids who sort of take on like a oh
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah a wolf-like affect but then that says it's also its own thing like wolfy blackheart uh is is you know maybe a, like a psychic vampire style expression but really that's more about like doing the like lowercase x numeral three emoji than it is yeah. any actual like lived expression as a as a wolf
0: xd yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like a different yeah.
1: it's like a whole different thing
0: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but they did act like animals, I think. Like, they, they did, like, did, in the news segment, they were, like, yelping to each other or whatever, but that was yeah. probably just for show. That probably was... Oh, yeah.
1: they, I mean, that's, but that's, like, the kid in your class who wears a tail and meows, right? Yeah. Like, is that, you know, that's, like, a whole other thing. Like, Like, and there could be overlap. Right? Like I could easily I
0: imagine that was a, being a furry. <laughs> I remember as a kid. There was this like weird girl in my class called Bridget, but she was like kind of a popular girl, but she was weird. It was like weird dichotomy. Um, where she would like uh pretend that we were in bikini bottom. <laughs> and I would like do this like pretend argument with her where she's like, yeah we're in bikini bottom and SpongeBob. I go, No, we're not. And then it's like, yeah, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, yeah, yeah. So there's probably like some live action role-playing going on there you know yeah Um, that's That's cute and innocent but then yeah (laughs) but then you know like when you're when it's like this news segment becomes a spectacle then you know that's yeah becomes an internet meme then it's over you know then the kiwi and as soon as you have a kiwi farms thread it's over it's over so um yeah but let's move on so yeah Okay, so there's a lot to unpack. Oh God, I hate that. There's a lot to unpack here. But there is a lot to unpack here. So this comes from, and and it's actually quite historically fascinating that, that Bataille was a student of Koja, right? So Koja famously, for those who don't know, was a head of political philosophy and famously gave up his station as a political philosopher and then became a bureaucrat who later invented the first concept of the European Union. That's Alexander Kogin. Um, And he, I believe he worked closely with the UN as well. And he had this theory that, you know, if we become post-historical, that is the end by which philosophy stops. It is the end of wisdom itself. It is the end of human exploration and thought because we've arrived to a state in which humanity has finally overcome the burden of necessity in nature and elsewhere, the universal historical state, which is the completion of the Hegelian project and so forth. But he believed that this was a material project because again, he was influenced by Marx as well, is that this is the end point by which nation, by which human nature, because again, if we're free of the necessity of our own stomachs, for instance, of the limitation of resources, of the sort of machinations of history and identity and nationhood and so forth, if we are free of all those things at the end point of the universal historical state, then we cease to become what we are now. We're no longer cover- colored by nation. We're no longer covered by resource colored by resource scarcity, by identity, by anything, right? Like, and so a lot of people that talk about like universal UBI and like you know, the end of the state and so forth, a lot of it comes from, and then again, the, the sort of like the kitschification of this theory comes from Fukuyama, which you know, end of history, and the last man, there will be no more war. You know, it'll be like basically like John Le- John Lennon's imaginary, right? nothing to live, nothing to live or die for, right? So I'm I'm bastardizing. There's a long philosophic tradition that goes into this, that that comes from Kojev's reading of Hegel and Marx. And, and what those philosophers were truly trying to get at now there's of course a debate in hegelianism does it truly end? does absolute spirit keep emanatizing itself does it fully realize itself right there's a lot of hegelians that say that well there's no perfect political project that would inc- that would essentially enumerate the end of that historical synthesis in absolute spirit the end of the absolutizing of it the end of um that sort of logic of history that hegel is operating from but Kojev believed that there can be an end and that would mean the end of man as well right so and so to give you a little bit more of context here when Kojev is talking about the end of all human endeavors including philosophy including what we know to be human struggle right there's this point where he was doing this debate with leo Strauss um it's it's the book is called on tyranny where they're commenting on this greek um a, a play about a tyrant there's a, something in the footnotes that um this letter he wrote to leo strauss w- which was quite revealing he said that you know the end of history humanity the, the last man would be quite a pathetic creature indeed they would have no motivation they would have no drive no striving for anything all their needs would be met it would basically exist like an animal, right? And this is the jump-off point for Agamben. Because the student of Kojev is Batai, And Bataille is saying that at the end of history, man becomes an animal. But that doesn't imply the erasure of those very human ecstasies of excitement and joy and eroticism and, 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 and the sort of peak limit experiences, what, what Bataille calls. And, and I believe our good friend Meme Analysis talks about this as well, the limit experience, right? And, and so the whole point of Asafale was to experiment with these different spiritual and 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 uh you know disodian systems and so forth to go at the absolute limit of humanity because that's the whole point in bataille is that when you are engaged in the peak of eroticism you kind of become like an animal because the being that you have is no longer discontinuous it is continuous being you are experiencing being all at once in that erotic experience right so for example freud would call the 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 little death the la petite mort in, in in the act of orgasm meaning that your being becomes continuous with the other in that act of the erotic experience you no longer are a separate entity so kojev says that no you're you're going to be one thing at the end of history but bataille says that no if you get rid of historical man you are lowering man into the realm of the animal therefore ergo you become this continuous being you become something that is connected with these profaned energies at all times and and of course to kojev that's like sort of like laughable because he's like at this point he's a stuffy bureaucrat so you know he can't can't have sex when you're a stuffy bureaucrat of the eu right can you imagine von rompy having sex or uh no van der Leyen, actually you can because she has like eight children but um I don't know. They're calling van der Leyen a Nazi now for some reason. I don't know. I Maybe mean, she's not giving enough money to Ukraine. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> remember when people thought van der Leyen was going to be based in trad because she has eight children, but then she became a fucking EU bureaucrat. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. Go ahead, Kat. What do you think of this whole total mind fuck that I just laid down on people? So um...
1: yeah, I mean, it. I I feel it like it really it for me. Like I I. Mm. I wish I wish I was better read too, because I mean, like, my next question would be like, uh, this this continue you know this continuous state with you know then married to technology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then becoming the
0: cyborg. Yeah, yeah. No, but th- <laughs> but that's Haraway's point, right? Cyber. Yeah, exactly. So why do you think Haraway jumped from the cyborg feminism thing, the AI thing, to critical animal studies because they're both at the the sort of limits of humanity right because what what is the cyborg manifesto what is that phrase that gets used if nature is oppressive we shall change nature right but then Haraway tracking towards critical animal studies it's like in other words at the end of history the human becomes something quite slippery as a concept and i think that was their point right like the, the human becomes something more open and more porous and more continuous than just like what we conceive of as the human as the conqueror of nature that comes from the enlightenment and some people say that comes from christianity as well but um eh, there's an argument to be made there right but but it's like yeah the human becomes something slippery the the other kin is something that is also psychically slippery in terms yeah. of humanity and essence and so forth. yeah
1: i mean i'm also thinking of like, um you know, I don't, I, I don't know if I've recommended to you. I definitely recommended it to, to prude um, Tara Isabella Burton's book, self-made, uh, which I've is basically like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's basically yeah. like a, a history of, you know, how people came to um, think that they were in total control of their own identity.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just, it's it, um, she, and she doesn't mention any of these threads um, in her book, but it's a, it's an interesting compliment to this idea of like, Total self creation, or like, man, you know, manifestation, or mm-hmm. even like, um, maybe like more mundane, like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Yeah. It's just a, this idea that it's sort of ultimately up to you, um, you know, even like the 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 chaos magic idea of like being able to like will, uh, whatever thing and use magic to become who you are.
0: Yeah, and this is what Asafala was doing this is what bataille was like you know um this is what he was doing um i did have the idea of reading his erotic fiction but some of them's quite uh
1: it's hard i've tried it's hard it's, man.
0: <laughs> it, like for it, i don't have the
1: stomach for it i mean i don't have the stomach for like some like delicious tacos stories right yeah, like, yeah yeah i don't <laughs> i'm like not crude in some ways but then in other ways i'm like you know, I don't, you know,
0: like, you know, mother incest and Omeroshi and like, you
1: know. <laughs> no, I mean, like story of the eye was hard for me to get through. I don't yeah. even think I finished it. I was like, once there was like, they're putting eggs up there. I was like, I, I'm out of here. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> there, there's a bullseye that comes out uh, eventually. Story of <laughs> the eye. But um, that that was very symbolic. The, the eye thing and like French colonial philosophy. That was very like, you know, French postmodernism. It's very powerful the eye symbolism um but where do we leave off here it's only um, one, one more page so uh, yeah
1: um yeah. of course that issue here was also the interpretation of Hegel, a terrain in which could K- authority was particularly threatening if history is nothing but the patient dialectical work of negation and man both the subject and the stakes in this negating action then the completion of history necessarily entails the end of man and the face of the wise man who on the threshold of time contemplates this end with satisfaction necessarily fades as in the miniature in the ambrosian into an a- animal snout.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: Should I reread that sentence or was it?
0: No, no, no um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're good.
1: Okay. Um, I'll go on and I'll, I'll read the next part and the quote and then I'll yeah. stop. Yeah. For this reason, in a letter to Kojev on December 6, 1937, Bataille has to wager on the idea of a negativity with no use, also unemployed negativity. That is, of a negativity that somehow survives the end of history and for which he can provide no proof other than his own life, the open wound that is my life. I grant, and then he goes on to quote, I grant as a likely supposition that from now on history is concluded except for the epilogue. However, I picture things differently. If action doing is, as Hegel says, negativity, the question arises as to whether the negativity of one who has nothing more to do disappears or remains in a state of negativity with no use. Personally, I can only decide in one way, being myself precisely this negativity with no use. I would not be able to define myself more precisely. I recognize that Hegel has foreseeing such a possibility at any rate he didn't situate it at the end of the process he described. I imagine that my life, or better yet, it's aborting. The open wound that is my life constitutes all by itself the refutation of Hegel's closed system.
0: Mm -hmm. There's always more to come for him. Uh, Let me just read quickly. The end of history involves then an epilogue in which human negativity is preserved as a remnant in the form of eroticism, laughter, joy in the face of death, in the uncertain light of this epilogue, the wise man, sovereign self-conscience, conscience, sees no animal headed pa- heads passing again before his eyes, but rather the asaphalist figure of the homens, specimens religious lovers, or sorcerers' apprentices. The epilogue, however, would prove to be fragile. In 1939, with the war by now inevitable, a declaration by the Collège de Sociologie betrays its impotence, denouncing denouncing the passivity and absence of reaction in the face of war as a form of massive de-virginalization in which men are transformed into a sort of conscious sheep resigned to the slaughterhouse though in a sense different from the one kojev had in mind men had now truly become animals again wow now here's the thing though i want you to think about cat the two versions of animals. One is a passive herd animal at the end of history. The other is something that Bataille is trying to get at, which is that despite negation stopping, there still is negation within our hearts, in the animal, in the erotic, in the peak experience.
1: What, is, what yeah. does Bataille mean by negation?
0: Well, he's talking about Hegelian negation, the the sort of process of history by which, um, you know, like there's the threefold, right? There's like, uh god i can't i'm blanking right now um the end of the of which is synthesis so there's um proposition negation synthesis right so there is an affirmation of a concept it's negation of a concept and there's a synthesis that then creates new a new order of things or a new epochal event and then there then there's a negation to that ordering of an event or that epoch and then therefore there's another synthesis that comes along and it goes on and on, and on until absolute spirit realizes itself in, 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 within history. So, but to, to Hegel though, negation is what creates things. Negation is the the mover of history to negate, to go against. That is what creates a synthesis that creates a new bricklage of concepts that constitute an epoch and so forth. And this happens in the natural sciences as well. Um, predators always create stronger prey. Um, a lack of predators always creates, um, you know sort of a a, carry, a a capacity crisis to a biome, then it creates more predators and so forth. So negation is always at the heart of being to, in this Hegelian system. And so Kojev is envi- envisioning a state of non-negation, of total end of history where negation stops, that we've reached the peak of human existence. But so Bataille is saying that negation never stops and that in my own life and my own transgressions where I'm getting hot grad students to pee on me like, they're, you know, like I, I'm doing a bondage like that is me rebelling against it. Right. But what's funny is that Agamben, though, commenting on this is very practical because, for example, when Agamben, he, you know, is a great Foucaultian scholar. Um, when when Foucault talks about transgression and how we're going to go against these you know images of power by by you know you know when Foucault went into the you know into the desert in San Francisco and went to bondage clubs and so you know there's this one my good friend Cal Crucis, he uh, had this thing about Agamben on my podcast it was I I'll never forget this um, he says you know Agamben he's looking at Foucault. And he's saying, like, this transgression and, and going against power where everyone's murdering and fucking and killing and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's, like, pissing at each other, right? But Agam government's like, who cares? Because power is still power. Power is still, like, a construct. Power is still built up in institutions. So it doesn't matter how much you equate death, sex and death and so forth. You're still existing within this, like, after-the-orgy society, fundamentally, right? So so this is the point of, of, of Kojak. Is that like you know? At the end of the day, we're we're in like we're experiencing levels of after the orgy being, and that you know there's nothing to transgress. There's no negativity. There's no negation within history. We've reached the peak. But Bataille is like, again, you know, Bataille... and and by the way, Baudrillard did read this this letter from Bataille, you know, in his essay after the orgy, right? Bataille is saying that no, the orgy doesn't stop. It's still it's still ongoing. But it becomes a poetics of being. It becomes something that you internalize. Becomes this sort of like act of transgression where you find negation within yourself. But there's this relation between that form of negation and becoming the animal once again. The animal of Koja is this very like herd animal-like being. It's just nothing left to do. You may just like, you become like the fucking Wally person. You know what I mean? You become like the, you become the bug man, right? You become the last man, right? You become uh, what Bap calls yeast life, right? But to Bataille, he's saying, if the end of negation and the end of history turns us into the animal, then the animal implies this continuous being of eroticism and transgression, and we become the animal once more. The animal fucks and kills and dies within the same sequence and that's what batai is saying if you're lowering the picture of the human back into the animal then you will become like the animal whereas with kojev you become this sort of like bug man like you know you're just propagating for its own sake you become bear life right but batai is saying you don't become bear life you become the animal the animal has and in the animal kingdom we know and who is that one rationalist um what was his name hansen robin hanson robin Hansen, yeah he had the tweet where he got like brutally ratioed for pointing out a fact which i mean it's probably creepy to bring it up too let's i'm I'm not gonna <laughs> lie it's kind of creepy but he said like you know the only reason you're here is because your ancestors probably raped uh the women of a different tribe and and you know the animal kingdom is built up upon brutal forms of 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 you know group sexuality and rape and what we would consider to be ghastly forms of assault and violence and so forth and Bataille is saying an animal life and you know Bataille was a weirdo let's face it, he was a french weirdo um if you look just read his fiction right um he's saying you know animal life implies a sexuality that is brutal and at the limit and you're transgressing and you're raping and you're dying at the same moment so it's like you know it's like wartime sexuality it's 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 brutal it's gassy it's terrible it's something that we don't consider human but he's saying that if you're going to lower the mass of humanity into animal life, then don't be surprised if freaks and weirdos proliferate that, that want to explore their animalism. You know what I mean? Like, so that's his point. He's like, Kojav, he banked on the bug man, but what he got was the, was the other kin. You know what I mean? Why well, do you get both? You get both. I'm not saying other kin people I want to murder and like rape you, and kill you people. Even,
1: you, know? you even get people who remain human.
0: Yes. And subjugate the
1: you know the animal life and turn them into the sheep.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. BDSM dynamics. Exactly. Like I mean, in in a weird way, if you examine. Okay. Here's another point that's really crazy, and this is like a bit. You know. I I mean, I I think he's a great scholar, but uh, you know, like Jay Dyer brings this point up about like Laurel Canyon. What? Why is it that like at the rise of Hollywood in the 70s. At the decline of Christianity, you have cults, you have sex cults, you have open sexuality, you have transgression. Because what is like a cult? What is like a Jim Jones? And why is it that cults always imply sexual exploitation? Because it's almost as if there is like a mass BDSM relationship between a cult leader and their followers. There almost is like a disodian, lowering of the human into a series of holes to exploit or a series of even put output mechanisms to then, you know, I mean, th- there is something of turning someone into a subhuman to realize the beyond humanness of another. And, and, and again, in Hegel, this comes out with a master slave dialectic, right? At the beginning of history is that the, the master gives and this is, comes from a lecture from uh, from Baudrillard. The master gives the slave their sense of being by determining when they live and die. Whereas a slave rebels by taking their own life, by securing their own sense of their existence through death, right? The, sl- the, the ultimate slave is one who resigns their ability to live and die to the master. The master then creates the slave, through transgressing those limits of when you get to die and when you get to live, you know. So and Agamben talks about this in in his book Homer Saker is because you know in, in in modern institutions there is that limit of bare life where you determine who lives and who dies in the FEMA camp, in the COVID camp, in Gitmo, you know. And it's like and he was star. This answers yeah, and this answers uh,
1: you know the question I, I've. I guess I've been asking or around the podcast circuit, like why is it that all of these things coalesce at the same time? Yes. Cults, fandoms, right? Like furies. all of these th- furies, it all comes up at the same time because it's the fandom is not isn't a cult, but it has that same basic function. Oh, and times Christianity so as
0: well. End times Christianity is a big one right. here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, like like you, the the fan object is. The, is you know in a in an illusory sense the master who you subjugate yourself to yes but really it's it's that's the the real master is the swarm the fandom the, yes and they can overturn the fan object but it, it's the same thing as the, as the cult like Jim Jones is nothing without the group of people it's the same well, it's all the well, same thing
0: and and again to, and this comes from McGonigon and Benin from Foucault is that the 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 prison guard is just as much as integral as the prisoners in that dialectic of power. Jim Jones would be nothing without the People's Temple and vice versa, right? So in a weird way, what is what is biopolitical and then what is the psychopolitical? It is a cult without a leader that goes on forever, where people participate in their own subjugation without that figurehead, without that prison guard. It's just a, a, a prison planet without the guard. You know the guard is relevant, right and so that is what biopower is that and and so the reason i think it's interesting is that all of these things are culminating like when the internet's created we you know the wall falls in in, in east germany um people truly believe that we're in the end of history moment Now until the twin towers fall of course um do we want to talk about that, by the way, the Bin Laden TikTokers? But we'll, let's yeah. get to those.
1: Like, yeah, finish your thought, and then let's just, like, what the hell? It, it just happened. Yeah. Let's so jump into it.
0: The point being is that all of these people, including furries, including people that want to be animals, including fandoms of variety of, of all different sorts, comes about at the decline of the multipolar world, the decline of Christian politics, and the decline of Christianity, in the spiritual realm, And we have this sense of the quote-unquote end of history where we just become the, you know, the global village. We're all singing Toto Africa. We're all like, you know, we're, we're in the global cafe and there's no difference between us. We're in a globalized world. Now you have all of these crazy people coming out at the same time out of the woodwork. Why? Because you're reducing that picture of humanity stripped of their context, of roots, of nations, of religion. When you strip humanity of everything, then you have these other continuous things proliferating in the absence of those things. So it's like, why is it that the furries were created in the 70s, the end of the New Age movement, and then proliferates at the tail end of the sort of like cunning and cynical New Age, New Atheist movement at the end of the 2000s? Why is that? What, what is like, you know, TikTok MB kids that have crystals? You know, why did not the new atheist, why did the new atheists fail? Right? There was, again, the, sixth, the 70s had a form of mass disenchantment as well. At the end of the New Age movement, when they woke up, the fucking hippies woke up, and you know, Woodstock was over and Richard Nixon was in the White House. I'm a big fan of Richard Nixon, but you get my point. Um, You know, it's like, that was a massive blow and and all of there was riots and there was the vietnam war and like all of their hippie bullshit ideals like just destroyed their optimism right and that happened at the end in the 2000s with the end of the the new you know the new atheist movement right like it's um it's crazy like there's because when there are those moments of disenchantment there is a subsequent reenchantment that comes about when the you know the old institutions wither away and, and so, um, that, sorry, I'm just ranting right now. Go ahead, Kat. What no, you I think the... no, I think you're, no,
1: I totally agree. I was just thinking like are, a, a lot of the seeds for this stuff uh, are planted in like the, you know, around the industrial revolution. Yeah. There's, they're mm-hmm. on the fringes at the turn of the century, maybe 1920s, 1930s. By the 1970s, they start to coalesce. By the 1990s, <laughs> they explode. Mm-hmm. And, and and as you're speaking, I'm thinking more and more examples. Nation of Islam is another yes. one. Like yeah. yeah. there are yeah. white nationalism again. Yeah. It's like it really starts. You you know in the turn of the century, it starts to coalesce after the war, and then come the 90s. By the time you, you get have, the 80s, you
0: get you know William Luther Pierce. Yeah. Exa-
1: exactly right. Yeah. And it's, but and it's crazy. Like you know. I mean that might be the episode title you know what does white power have to do with other canon furries (laughs) oh my god (laughs) right but it's all this it's all the same it's all the same desire in a different package and that's yeah
0: yeah yeah this is why i think like the end of history thesis is bullshit because like you're you're never gonna you're never gonna totally get rid of negation and i think like kojev did a massive disservice to both bureaucracy to both being a bureaucrat and being a political philosopher by like crossing over into those streams you know what i mean so um yeah i mean i know uh our good friend logo to atlas is a big fan of kojev but i don't know why um probably not anymore (laughs) because like isn't china like challenging the end of history thesis right like it's um you I don't know. know, man.
1: I don't know. It's I also don't really know that much about Logo, to be honest. Do
0: you know what a Haasian third world is? you know what the...